This morning, I have a message. Title Explosions of Praise. You'll find out where I'm going with this as we go. One of the young girls the other night said to me, she was, I was following your message, I was following it along, and I wasn't sure exactly where you're going, and then at the end you just you opened it up and enveloped it before us, and I was like, Oh, okay, that's where he was going. So just hang on with me today as we uh, we take this venture. Yeah, it's still coming. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. Paul there tells him, he says, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Keep going. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, so you're telling me this morning that Paul is telling us to speak life to one another by singing? But that we actually teach one another by singing? We actually admonish one another by singing? Yes. He's telling us to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. This word admonish means to gently correct, caution, and warn. So do we have songs that do that? I believe we do. This morning we sing songs about shouting, singing, about how the grace of Jesus, how it's sufficient. There are things that we sing that bring us into that correcting of the Spirit. Because our bodies and our minds want to always need to be in alignment with, with the Spirit of God. But what the problem is, is our flesh comes in. And so what the Bible says is when we sing these songs together, we actually admonish, we actually build up one another. That's what he's saying. I didn't come up with this. This was his words. He says, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you with wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts. So worship is everything to God. He wants us with our songs to draw close to Him, become more intimate, to surrender all. He's asking us as we come together, He's saying there is a, as a, part, a portion of our lives that actually comes into correction when we sing and we worship together. Worship takes the attention off of ourselves and places it on God. See, when we put our hands up, we're basically, it's almost like, you know, when, when a guy comes up with a gun, he says, stick your hands up. You know, there's that surrender that's happening. When we raise our hands, we're surrendering to the Lord. We're saying, I give it all to you, God. The Bible talks about lifting holy hands. Those who sit bored, I want you to know this morning, what are you speaking? I say it like this. When we sit bored, it's almost like we're Christian cussing. What do you mean? What I mean is this. If we sit there with ourselves closed off, it's almost as if we're just speaking curses against what's going on. God's saying, listen, I want you to come into a lean agreement. I want you to come into alignment. And when you do that, you are able to do what I'm telling you in Ephesians and in Colossians. Listen, we don't have to be loud or demonstrative. It just has to come from our heart. But it shouldn't be where we have to hold back just because of our comfort level. 
When you are worshiping from the heart, whether loud or stopped, whether standing or sitting, whether kneeling or face down, it speaks, it teaches, it admonishes. Whether our hands are up, our hands are down, our hands are folded, with tears or without, with a smile or without, whether we're sat, but it can all be from the heart when we begin to worship God, when we have it directed heavenward. We are teachers. You didn't know that this morning, did you? You didn't know that when you come in here and you worship together, you're actually teaching others. You're teaching these young men. You're teaching our little girl right here. You're teaching those around you who are sitting next to you. When you what are you teaching them this morning? What have you taught them by your worship? Well, I'm not hurting anybody just by sitting here, Greg. If I just quit quickly, if I'm just talking to my neighbor, I'm just visiting. Really? That's not what God tells us to do. Well, I'm not hindering anyone by just sitting here gelling out. Yes, you are, because you're commanded to be able to admonish one another with songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. See, when we sing together, we're actually teaching, we're edifying, we're admonishing, we're building up the body of Christ. There is something that's going on in the Spirit. That is why it says that the way you sing, that when we continue to sing, there's something that happens in our heart. When all of us come together like this, there's a building up of the body of Christ that happens. That is why worship is so important. When we sing from the heart, you should come in those doors and be prepared. You should have that anticipation. I can't wait to sing to my king this morning. I can't wait to sing to the Lord this morning. I'm so excited about that. I have another opportunity to give him my very best. Ephesians 5.19 says this. Verse, let's go back to 18. He says, And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking, here we're back at that same verse, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. See, when you get filled with the, the Spirit, praise explodes from inside out. When you truly get filled, praise erupts through your mouth from your heart. Pentecostals like to say that tongues is the evidence of being filled. But I will offer you this morning that praise is truly the evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God. See, a lot of times we like to elaborate on this other part. What I want you to know is, you know what, you want to truly be filled with the Spirit of God? Praise is going to erupt from you. When you are truly filled with the Spirit of God, something is going to come out. You're going to be like a volcano. You can't help it. Praise and worship from the heart is being fueled by the Holy Spirit. You want to stay filled? Sing heart-filled worship. You want to stay, you want to be filled? Sing with, with, with that, what he says there with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs in your heart. Here's what these words mean in the, in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, these words, psalms and hymns. Psalms probably meant those of David, what he, was, what he would talk about. The hymns. The, the, the Hebrew word there meant extraneous, I'm not even going to try that word too good, effusions in praise of God, uttered under the influence of the divine spirit or a sense of his special goodness. The songs were odes in whatever form they were composed. Whatever they had learned, they were spiritual. They tended to magnify God and to edify man. Here's what he's saying this morning to us. You wanted in plain English? Be diverse. Simple songs. Love songs of adoration. Sing songs right out of the Bible. Sing songs from your heart. Sing songs of intimate adoration and celebration. Songs about His truths. 
But if we just if we just sit there, we're not doing what the Bible's commanding. He's calling us to do it from the from the inside out. That which is in our belly, those rivers of living water, they want to gush out through praise and worship. So God's saying that you can be creative with your worship. You can you can you know what? You don't have to sing a song that's in the book. You can make up a song. I love to. I'm driving around. My little grandson, he sits in the back. I make up songs about him while we're driving. You know, Caleb is a silly boy or something. You know, I give him a little, I give him a little. But you know what? The same thing happens when I'm driving along and I'm thinking about my Lord. I, I'll, I'll, sing, I'll sing a song about, God, what you've done to me. What you've done through me. What you're doing in me. And that just, that praise that just begins to well up within me. God's saying that's what our lives should look like constantly. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. There's a variety of ways to offer up praise. Lifted hands, the Bible talks about. These are all biblical ways. Lifted hands, shouting, singing, singing a new song, kneeling, bowing, clapping, standing, being still, speaking, face down, dancing with the harp and the lyre, instruments, banners, and flats. They may be unplanned songs where there's not even any words. We just simply begin to utter those things that come out of our heart. We find a note and we begin to play it in our heart and in our mind. We begin to sing those things. Ephesians 5.19, he, sa- he speaks of, Paul says that. He says in the last part of that, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's what he's telling us to do. He's commanding us. So worship begins in our heart and explodes out of our lips and our body. See, but it must be in our heart first before it can come forth. You might have came in this week with financial difficulties, marriage problems, just trouble in your life, at work, at your job. You don't feel like it, but in obedience, you open your mouth, you lift your hands, and you begin to pray, praise Him out of obedience. But what started in the flesh loses its grip. That pride that begins to move out of the way, and all of a sudden, the peace of God comes as you let your heart be awakened to the Spirit of God by worshiping. See, it begins in our flesh, but then it moves into the Spirit. I don't feel like it you say this morning, but praise Him anyway, out of obedience. I open my mouth and my heart is awakened to God. Because He comes as we worship. The Bible says this in Psalms 22, 3, that thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. The New American Standard says it like this, you're enthroned on the praises of your people. He doesn't want lip service. He wants the, the praises of God to come from our heart. Matthew, 7, Matthew 15, 7 says this, Hypocrites, well did it Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. See, what happens with us is a lot of times is what's coming out of our mouth, and this is where a lot of us... A lot of us have seen it, and this is what discourages us from moving forward. But lip service Christianity in America is an epidemic. Mm-hmm. See, we worship with our lips, but our lives aren't, don't line up with what our lips are saying. Mm-hmm. See, we, we can say things. It's easy to talk it, but we don't walk it. And what he's telling us is this. When you walk it all week long, there is nothing wrong with coming into the house of God and lifting your voice up in praise and adoration to the King of kings and the Lord of lords because he's worthy. Amen. He's worthy. He's glorious. He's marvelous. Yes. He's wonderful. Yes, Thank That you, should Jesus. excite us. See, I told you. 
Some of you are saying right now, Gertrude, I told you. This guy, he's going to get us all excited. He's going to tell us that we have to worship different. What I'm telling you is this, that worship all through the Bible always looks enthusiastic. It always starts right down here and then it explodes out of us. You look at the men and women of the Bible, you'll see it over and over again. They shouted, they praised, they worshiped, they clapped, they, their hands were raised. David danced before the Lord because he wanted, he wanted his worship to be expressed not just with his lips, but with his body, everything about him. That's what we're talking about today. See, and some of us today would say, well, you know what, Greg? There are those that worship like that, and I've seen them. I've seen them when they leave the place. They go out and they do things in the world. They don't look like what they're supposed to. You're right. There are a lot of people out there. I'm going to tell you right now. I, I, the church does not have a monopoly upon on, uh, on over-exuberant hypocrites. They're everywhere. I am going to tell you, you are going to see people who worship and praise and lift their voices and they go out and they live like sin. I know that. You're, you're right. But that doesn't, make it any, that doesn't make it any less real for those of us who know who Jesus is. See, the opposite side of that is true. Well, we'll say to ourselves, well, and I've done this myself. Raised in Assemblies of God Church, we would always have to wear a suit and tie. Make sure, you're, make sure you wear your leather shoes. You'd come in and you'd sit down. Oh, my goodness. Well, look at him over there. Look at how he's worshiping. Did you see that? Oh, my goodness. He's getting... See, see what, we, what happens is, is the opposite becomes true. We get so upset about those who have a little enthusiasm about what God's doing, it actually offends us. The in-between there somewhere is where God says, Listen, worship me with all your heart. Live it out all week long. Do what I'm telling you. Live those commands. And then worship me with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's what he's telling us this morning. Mm -hmm. I remember a story. I was thinking about Bill Johnson and Heidi Baker. Bill Johnson, the pastor of Reading, uh, Bethel and Reading, and he was there one Sunday morning. And their church is probably has a little more uh, looseness than maybe some of us would be comfortable with. But but that morning, uh, a woman was in the front. And she was right in front of him. He sits on the, the front row. And, and she was doing cartwheels through on the, on the front of the, the altar. And, and Bill Johnson was just like, I don't know, maybe I need to get somebody to get up here and remove her or whatever. You know, thinking in his mind. And Heidi Baker was there sitting next to him. And she's a, a missionary to Africa. And she leaned over to him and said, isn't it beautiful? And Bill thought to himself, he didn't really want to give an answer. And then she answered real quickly. She says, she was a prostitute. Mm -hmm. And Jesus got a hold of her life. Mm -hmm. See, it's always in the eyes of the beholder. See, we can look with contempt, but we don't know what that person went through to get them to that place. Wouldn't you much rather see her doing cartwheels in front of the church than doing tricks on the other side of town? Yes. Mm. See, that's, what, that's the difference sometimes. We forget those things. Jesus' ministry would have alarmed us. See, in Mark 9.26, read that. They shrieked and they convulsed. They violently came down, the Bible says. Acts 
8-7, the disciples, they followed after, they followed suit. See, many of them had unclean spirits, and, they were, and as they were coming out, they were shouting, but there was a loud voice, and those who had been paralyzed were healed. See, if, I got a feeling that if, if Jesus was here today, He would come to our services, and they wouldn't look anything like what our services look like today. See, it would probably be a little chaotic. It would probably be a little loud. And that would offend some of us because we're like, well, that's not the way God comes. Really? That's how Jesus came. He came and, and, and things changed. Think about this, about a, a woman. How, how organized does this look? Sitting in a front room of someone's house. She walks in, breaks open an expensive jar of perfume. Stinks the place up. And then takes her hair and begins to wash his feet. How dignified of a situation is that? See, these are the things that the Bible talks about, but we get offended by just the littlest of things. Did you notice how he didn't pray like I wanted him this morning? Did you notice how he didn't do this? Did you? And those things offend us. And what Jesus really wants is somebody to break open the bottle and say, you know what? I'll pour myself out on the ground right here for you, God. I'll give you everything I am. That's the desire of His heart. Stink the place up. He said it like this, Therefore present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. This is your spiritual act of worship. See, I want my worship to be a sweet aroma, a sweet incense into heaven. How does that happen? What happens is I begin to open my mouth. As I begin to, whatever's in me begins to come out. All those things that he says, out of the heart precedes all these things. But out of my heart is where God, he does that work in me. And I begin to, just that praise begins to explode. I'm going to give you a powerful tool this morning. Isaiah 54, verses 1 and 3. Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a, a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, and do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. He tells them here, this woman, he says, when you, when, what's going on in your life, you're barren? Sing, O barren woman. When you are dry, sing. When nothing is happening, sing. When you're discouraged, sing. When it seems like there's no growth in your belly, I want you to sing. When nothing seems to be changing, sing. When every effort doesn't work and all that comes out is barrenness, He says, I want you to sing. Now think about what He just told her. You who are barren, who's never born a child, sing. Next verse, you who were never born a child, burst into song and shout for joy. 
To never have a child in this time and age was the most disgraceful thing that could happen. The fact of history is you could divorce your wife if she couldn't have a, a, a child. This was the worst thing that could happen. This, was, this probably topped poverty. Everything that you could think of, this would be the horror of horrors. And at this, she is told not just to sing, but she is told to burst into song. This woman whose life was meaningless, she's told to burst into song. The Hebrew word there is only used eight times in the Old Testament. And it means to break forth in joy. It means to break out and break forth, to make a loud noise. This is exactly what the opposite of most of what all of us want to do when things come upon us. When the horrors, the shames, the barrenness, the trials, everything's coming against us. The last thing we want to do is burst into praise. We almost always want to get depressed, get down, get discouraged. We need prayer. I need to talk for hours. I need to eat. I need to numb myself. I need some pills. I need to be alone. I need to get lost in entertainment and watch TV for the evening. But here he's saying, listen, those aren't the things I'm telling you to do. I'm in instructing you right now. I'm giving you a word of the Lord. When all the things are going on around you, begin to sing. Burst out in song. Explode out in song. Let the Spirit of God loosen that heaviness that's upon you. He says this in Isaiah 61.3 Let the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Life is pressing you down. Break out. Burst out into the opposite direction. The opposite anointing. If you're being pushed down, push up with bursting praise. With explosion praise. I know it's the last thing you want to think about when life is horrible, when things aren't there. But he's yes. saying, listen, you shout for joy. When it doesn't look like it, you shout for joy. See, that's what I'm calling faith tonight. James says it like this. Consider it pure joy when you go through these things. Ezra said it like this. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang the song of the Lord. He is good. His love endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was, was laid. Oh, hang on a second there. Sorry about that. Because of the great shout because the house of the Lord had been laid. The house hadn't been built yet. But what happened was, he's telling them, I want you to shout before the house is even built. I'm telling you, we're laying a foundation right now. Begin to shout when no one's looking. Shout. He says this in, in Psalms 95.1, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Psalms 98. I want you to know something here. This is the same word. Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth burst. Same word. It's only used eight times, but here it is. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp and with the, the harp and the sound of singing, with the trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord the King. Psalms 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. See, Isaiah says it like this. He says, The Lord will march out like a mighty man. Like a warrior, He will stir up His zeal. With a shout, He will raise the battle cry and with triumph over His enemies. If it's good enough for Jesus, if it's good enough for God to say, Listen, here's what I want you to do in this circumstance. I know it doesn't seem practical. I know it doesn't seem like the right thing. But I'm telling you, in the midst of it, you begin to shout. You get your shout back. You know what? Some of you have kids. That you that are lost right now. You have yes. relatives, family members. He's yes. saying, listen, in the midst of that, I'm going to show you in just a minute. He says, shout in that yes. time. Yes. Amen. See, our method, see, our method is this. We praise after God moves. 
God's method is this. Praise Him before I move. See, bursting and shouting for joy breaks strings. We break out in song so you can break out of bondage. We break out in shout so you can break out of Satan's grip. See, he tells her, he tells this woman here, he says, Sing, O barren woman, you who were never born a child, burst into song. Shout for joy, shout for joy, you who were never in labor. Because more, listen to this, you haven't even had any kids yet. More are your kids. More are the children of this desolate woman than the one who has a husband. The person who is in need... They're going to get the most offspring. The one who has nothing right now, I'm about to pour out upon you. You celebrate before children come. You celebrate before the shame, before the things that are going around you, before the rejection. You celebrate before those things. He says this in verse 2, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. To contain all that God's going to do, you're going to have to spread out a little bit. He's telling you, he says, and then some of you, I said this just a minute ago, you've been believing for your husband. You've been believing for your kids. You've been believing for your family. He says, for you will spread out to the right and the left, and your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate place. Faith celebrates the pre The pre the answer, pre the miracle, pre the city being taken, pre the breakthrough, pre victory. uh, uh, David said it like this in Psalms 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise is in the assembly of His faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. And let them praise His name with dancing and make music to Him with timbre and harp. For the Lord takes delight in His people. He crowns the humble with victory. Let His faithful people rejoice in His honor and sing for joy on their beds. What I'm trying to tell you guys tonight is this. When everything fails, praise Him. When you don't know what to do, you've lost all your hope, praise Him. He is our answer. He says, listen, I know maybe some of us go, well, I haven't been taught this before. You know what? That's okay. For 40 years, I I was saved when I was six years old, but I walked this life out. And you know what? It wasn't until these last three years that the Lord said, listen, Greg, you're going to have to get a hold of what the Word of God is saying. And if you're going to live it, you've got to live it. See, there was this big disconnect between how I was living and what the Word was saying. I said, no longer. I cannot live like that anymore. What the Word says, I will do. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to accept it. I am going to live it every single day, regardless of the outcome. I can continue to praise, and you know what? Maybe all I do is praise my way through it. That's okay. The Bible says you just keep praising. You keep praising. Those of you tonight, this morning, you're saying, you know what? I just don't, you don't understand. I can't make make enough money to even make it to to the next week. That's okay. You just begin to praise Him. Worship Him. Give Him glory. Let's all stand as we close this morning.